Hi, I'm Jamie from Stillmeyer Games, and today I'm going to talk about a topic proposed to me by one of our ambassadors, or maybe one of the listeners of my weekly Facebook livecast, and that is, um, with all these games these ha that we have, with tabletop games that involve workers, whether they're worker placement games or other games that involve workers in some way, what are some examples of games that use workers where having more workers isn't necessarily or inherently better, or uh, being the first to get more workers isn't inherently better. I asked our Stillmeyer ambassadors this question and I got some great responses of uh, various games that they suggested that I entirely agree with where getting more workers isn't inherently better and some little twists to that formula that you'll see rather quickly in one of the early examples. So I'm gonna go through what I have around 12 categories here of games that uh, in which workers are used in a slightly different way. The first category, is feeding. If you have to feed your workers, there is a barrier between you getting more workers and therefore it isn't always inherently better for you to get more workers, especially if you can't feed them and there's a high punishment for feeding them. But designer Uwe Rosenberg is kind of the, uh, I don't know if he's the first designer to do this, but he's definitely at the forefront and he uses this mechanism in a lot of his games like A Feast for Odin, Agricola, Caverna. Um, yeah, it is It is a prevalent theme in his game that, that uh, a big part of your game simply becomes feeding your workers if you don't have a good engine built around feeding those workers. And sometimes you build that engine just to feed a certain number of workers and getting more than that would totally reshape your game and may not be worth doing so. So the idea of feeding workers in games is one way to um, not necessarily discourage players from getting more workers, but uh, make it not inherently better to have more workers. Uh, Stone Age is one other example not designed by Uwe Rosenberg of a game that does this. Uh, the next category is to start with the maximum number of workers that you can have in the first place. And the example given here by a number of ambassadors was Architects of the West Kingdom. First game I have right here. So in Architects of the West Kingdom, you start out with all the workers that you can ever have. Uh, five player, you have start with 20 worker meeples. Start with 20 worker meeples that you have access to. So you never, the game is never asking you to get more workers. You simply have them. So this is uh, a little twist on this category. Um, but I think it still does apply that you can just give players all the workers that they can ever have from the very beginning of the game and see what they do with those workers. Um, the game, this game also has an interesting flow to it because your workers, if you pile them up on a certain action, on certain actions really, those actions become more powerful every time you're placing more workers on it. But they also increase the chance that a player might capture those workers and send them to jail. And then you got to go through a whole thing to get them back out of jail. It's ultimately a good thing because you can, that's how you get your workers back. There's no general retrieve action in Architects. But, uh, but it is an interesting way that, that as you accumulate workers in one place, they become more appealing for another player to capture them. The next category is a cost decrease. So this fits into that category of uh, why wouldn't you be the first player to just go get more workers? And the example of this is Champions of Midgard. In Champions of Midgard, the first player, I believe it's the first player each round, the first player each round to get a new worker or new workers, they pay the most. And the next player plays a little bit less. And the next player play, pays a little bit less. So the game is actually... While more workers are good in Champions of Midgard, um, waiting a little bit and trying not to be the first player to get more workers can result in a lower cost to gain those workers. That's Champions of Midgard. The next category is a high level of sacrifice. Now, I've only played Darwin's Journey once, so I, I don't have 
a lot of uh, a foundation to talk about this, but a few ambassadors mentioned it. Um, this person says that that a lot of times they will go after more workers, but uh, it doesn't always make sense in this game. And um, and this one, this person says you have to give up so much at the beginning of the game to work towards the extra worker. It can certainly pay off, but it's not the only path to victory. So this is a game putting a lot in the way between you and getting another worker. Workers are really scarce in this game. They're they're the, the kind of the backbone of what you're doing in Darwin's journey. And so the game makes it rather difficult for you to get an additional worker. And so it can be a goal that you can set for yourself. I really want that worker. I'm going to work towards it. But it's not something that you can just easily do. You really have to sacrifice some other things in the game to get an extra worker in Darwin's journey. The next category is the loss of another resource. I wasn't exactly sure how to phrase this, but the example might help it make sense. And that is in the game Dune Imperium. So this is a deck building game with a worker placement element where on some of your turns, you're gonna play a card and based on the locations shown on that card, you can place a worker on one of those locations on the board. You'd start with two workers. There's a way to get a temporary worker um, and there are ways to get one additional permanent worker in Dune Imperium. However, the cards that you don't use for this purpose are saved, uh, well, not really saved, but they're, they're spent at the end of a round to gain more cards. So if you want to engine build your deck in Dune Imperium, and there's other types of engine building, but this is a core way, making your deck better with better cards, you need to not play cards from your hand. Uh, so if you have more workers, then you're spending more cards. You have fewer cards at the end of your turn to spend to get more cards or to spend on combat. So you're giving up the resource of uh, influence and the combat resource. Those are the two primary resources found on the bottom of the cards um, if you are spending more cards based on having more workers. This also reminds me, this isn't really on my list, but the idea of getting a temporary worker in games is a nice loophole around getting more workers. If it's if you have a certain combination of cards or just an opportunity to get uh, a temporary worker at a lower cost than adding a permanent worker, then that can be an appealing way to, to get a worker every now and then when you really need it. And that is the case also in Dude Imperium. Uh, here's, so I have a few Stillmeyer games on the list, but the one I'll show off, because I think this might be the best example, is Euphoria. And the theme here is increased risk. In Euphoria, workers are dice and uh, you don't roll the dice too often in the game except when you retrieve them or when they're bumped off the board and it's at that point in the game that you roll the workers and if a worker or if your total pool of available workers at that point have a knowledge of more than what is the number the magic number i can't see it in the back of the box but there's a magic number that you don't want your total worker knowledge to go over than that the workers in your available pool not the workers on the board um then the workers get too smart they, they are, are, are aware then of the dystopia they're in and the smartest one, the one with the high, the most pips on it, runs away. And so there's a few different decision points here. Like, do you want to get more workers and, and risk one of them running away? Like investing in those resources, getting a worker, it doesn't feel great when one of those workers runs away. And if you do get more workers, do you always retrieve them? Do you try to retrieve only some of them? Do you try to bump them one off the board one by one or try to get other players to bump them off the board so you don't have a total knowledge pool? Do you spend a lot of time and energy uh, kind of using your, your knowledge pool? There's a knowledge track on the board where you can uh, make sure to keep that low because that is added to the sum of all of your dice. So lots of different um, levers you can pull here to keep your knowledge low. But there is always that risk when you get more workers that uh, that if you ever retrieve all of them, there's a pretty good risk that one of them might run away if you have a bad roll. Um, so yeah, having an increased risk is one way of making it 
less important to get more workers in the game. And sometimes even worse to get more workers. Spend those resources and have a worker run away in, in Euphoria. Everdell was another example that, uh, that Ambassadors gave. So in Everdell, this is a game um, similar to Lords of Waterdeep, where, as far as I know, at least in the core game, you can't do anything to get more workers except choose to pass out of the season because you get more workers in Everdell when you pass to the next season. And that doesn't happen at the same time as all players. Players choose when they want to pass to the next season. So it's a key decision point in the game. Do you try to extend each round a little bit more, even though you don't, you aren't getting any extra workers, whereas other players may have passed and have extra workers to use on worker placement? Um, do you extend your round by doing other things? Um, or do you go ahead and pass and go ahead and get that new worker? So it isn't always better to get that new worker. And it's, I would say it's actually generally better in Everdell to extend each round as long as possible before getting that new worker. Um, but it leaves a, a really crucial uh, kind of pendulum tipping point decision of exactly when is the right time to pass to get that extra worker or extra workers, I think, when you pass into the, uh, the third season. That's Everdell. In Honeybuzz, yeah, this is a fun example. And Honeybuzz, this is a worker placement game where you need to place more workers than the previous worker stack on, on the action that you choose. And there is a way, there is an action to get more workers, which is good for that action. If you get more workers, then you have access to more worker action spots. But meanwhile, by getting more workers, you're giving up on other things. And so this is, uh, oh, actually, I forgot one thing for Everdell. I'll come back to that in a minute. But Everdell's category was timing and optimization. This category is a faster refresh because in Honeybuzz, when you refresh, when you pull all your workers off the board, not only do you have them all available to you again, but you also get a free movement on one of the, the areas of the board. I forget the name of the board, but this area of the board in Honeybuzz, you get a free movement in that area of the board. So um, that's a nice little bonus there when you get a refresh turn. So having uh, an appealing or faster refresh turn by having fewer workers can be a nice way to entice players not to go after too many workers or, or have more workers in the game. The thing that I forgot about timing and optimization was my latest game, Expeditions. In Expeditions, you can get more workers. It's not a worker... Well, it, I guess it is kind of is a worker placement game, but not in the traditional sense because you're placing workers always on private action spots on your cards. And... Um, spending turns to get more workers is great because you have more workers to activate abilities. But when you're spending turns to get those workers, then you're not necessarily getting better cards to use those workers on. And uh, so it's kind of a timing and optimization thing. How are you going to time? When is the right time to get workers opposed to new cards? Do you try to get all cards the same color and get to uh, have a few workers of that color? And also there's the refresh turn. So it ties into... Um, to Honeybuzz as well, because when you refresh in Expeditions, you get all your workers and your cards back. So do you focus on having a few, like a, a good combo engine of a few cards, a few specific workers, or do you just get a bunch of workers and a bunch of cards and, and try not to refresh very often? One of those decisions in Expeditions. Uh, in the next game, the category is the worker type matters more than having more workers. And this is the game, uh, the example here is the game Keyflower, which I haven't played in a while, so let's see what people say. This person says, it's not just about amassing the most workers, the scarcity of worker type, the color of the worker specifically, and or strategic development makes it more than just a sheer numbers game. Um, I, I can't remember in Keyflower how the number, how the color matters, but that is a neat way to have different types of workers and have that color matter more. Um, I do remember in Keyflower that you're kind of you're placing workers behind other workers on the same action, and I think it's I think the color is related to the number of color of workers that are there. So if there's already one red worker there, you placing another red worker there is extra good, or maybe not good. I should probably look into the Keyflower before I talk about it. But color matters for the type of color that you choose in uh, in Keyflower. 
Uh, this other person says uh, key flyer because good utilization of color control and placements could allow you to do more with less um, if you're paying attention. While it's good to get more workers in general, it's not necessarily better. Uh, the next two examples, one game that I know, one that I don't. The, the game that I don't know is Meeples and Monsters. This category is pool dil dilution. So this isn't about worker placement. It's about bag building. Meeples and Monsters, this, play, uh, this ambassador says it's a bag building game, and the more workers you have can water down your bag. That makes perfect sense. Um, it can prohibit you from pulling different colored workers that when placed together can give good benefits. I need to check out that game because the other game on this example is Orleans, and I love Orleans. Orleans is a bag building game where you're putting workers in a bag and drawing a certain number out each round um, or each turn. And this, these ambassadors are totally correct. If you dilute that pool of workers with a bunch of workers that you don't really need all that often, then having quantity... Uh, doesn't really matter. It's the quality. It's the specific workers and specific combinations of workers that matter so much in Orleans. So pool dilution, that's a reason to not necessarily just get more workers when you can, but rather get the specific workers that you need. Ties back to Keyflower a little bit too. Um, two examples of, so this is similar to the feeding. So a cost to uh, maintain workers. We've also talked about the cost to gain workers in the first place, whether that goes down or up. Um, but this is increased production cost. Um, the example I'll share first is Scythe. So in Scythe, as you get more workers, that's great. You have more workers to carry around. There's a benefit to having workers in terms of popularity. Um, they are kind of a, a human shield against other mechs in the game against con combat. They can produce more stuff. However, whenever you choose the produce action, based on the number of workers you've removed previously from your player mat, the cost to produce goes up. So if you only have, I believe, four workers on the board, there's no inherent production cost um, other than using an action to do so. But if you have a bunch of workers, if you have, uh, I believe the, the key points are six and eight, but I might be remembering that incorrectly. When you have a certain number of workers, the production cost goes up for each one of them. So uh, it can make production rather expensive if you have a ton of workers. You have to, you have to pay before you even get to produce. So uh, in, increased production costs. Another example of this is in Sulkin. Um, in Sulkin, you, there is the feeding of workers element in Sulkin. You're placing workers on these dials. Um, and uh, at the end of the, each round, each quarter, you have to feed those workers. But there's another cost to the workers in terms of the number of workers that you choose to place uh, on your turn. So there's a, there's a cost. If you decide to place like one worker on a turn, it's free. You don't pay anything. But if you place two or three or four or even five workers, that cost goes way up. If you want to place five workers on the same turn, there's a really high cost to it. Um, I don't even know if I really like that element of Tolkien because it also has the feeding, but it does work and I do love the game. So uh, it does give you a strong reason to have a good corn production in the game so you can feed all those workers when you want to place multiple workers on the same turn. That's increased production cost. And the final category that I can think of, I'm sure you'll have some other ones in the comments, the final category is decreasing utility. And the example here is my game, Viticulture. In Viticulture, you can get a bunch of workers. There's a set cost at the beginning, it's a flat cost. Uh, not at the beginning, but throughout the game, if you want to get more workers, you go to the Game More Workers action, action Space, you pay either $4 or $3, depending on where you go, and, uh, and you get an extra worker that you can use uh, the following year. You can't use it right away. Generally good to do. Not much barrier to do so. However, Viticulture's action spaces are scaled by player count. And so in a low player count game, or certain player counts in particular, 
um, the action spaces can be really, really tight. And so getting more workers, you might find yourself, get, if you have a ton of workers and other players have gotten more workers, that you might reach the end of a round or the end of a year in Viticulture and you have extra workers left over and you just have to use them on the, the any season action space. Um, so getting more workers in Viticulture isn't necessarily better because the utility of those workers uh, isn't always there. You may not really have much to do with those workers or many places to, to place them on the board if you get too many workers. So I think that's one way to do it too. If you scale the number of action spaces in a worker placement game by player count, you might find that uh, players are deterred simply from getting more workers as a result. Let's see if I have any other notes. I have some ambassador notes about um, about Scythe. Let's see, Silk in here and Viticulture. Yeah, I think that covers it. Uh, yeah, around 12 categories of reasons to not necessarily... Uh, that, that in games where getting more workers isn't inherently or necessarily better and and or where getting more workers first isn't necessarily better. I'd love to hear other examples that you can think of for games that cover these categories or other categories of games that do this. Let me know in the comments below. Thanks.